girl, we love cheaters. We love cheaters. <laughs> love cheaters. Love it. Um, a lot. Some of your favorite meme, memes come from cheaters. Your favorite memes and your favorite gifts are are from cheaters. So uh, don't count cheaters out. <laughs> everyone this is alex and this is m welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is the podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary For much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join us at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the always funny and often warm father-daughter-focused sitcom One-on-One. Single fathers are certainly not scarce in the sitcom genre, But a father who isn't widowed and whose only child is a girl certainly is. One-on-one took on this new terrain with Black leads and remained successful for five seasons. So what exactly made this show so unique yet relatable? How did the series charm audiences and become a household name? Stay tuned. everyone um here are some details about one-on-one this series is a sitcom it was created by unetta t boone and it was released from september 3rd 2001 until may 15th 2006 it aired on the upn network for five seasons and a total of 113 episodes it has two related series eve which exists in the same universe and its direct spin-off cuts The series stars Flex Alexander as Flexter Alexander Washington, a.k.a. Flex, who is the father. Kyla Pratt as Brianna Latrice Barnes, who is the daughter. Robert Richard as Arnaz Leroy Ballard, Brianna's friend. Cicely Sowell as Clotilde Freedom Jones, a.k.a. Spirit, Brianna's best friend, who is in the series from seasons one through four. Kelly Parent as Dwayne Odell Knox, Flex's best friend from seasons one through four, and also the lead in that spinoff, Cuts. Camille Manna as Elisa Sanchez, Brianna's roommate in season five. Jonathan Chase as Cash Bagan, another roommate from season five. Ray J as Darnell McGinty, a.k.a. DMAC another roommate from season five. And lastly, Nicole Paggi as Sarah Crawford, another roommate from season five. So um, let's talk about the series. They gave them a full 22 episode first season. Let's dive into it. Yeah, so 
I had never seen one-on-one before, but I was, but I put it on my list because I was curious about it. If you've ever seen Girlfriends, you know that Maya's husband, Darnell, uh, is played by a different actor, like, after the first season. Um, But first season, he is played by Flex. And so I was curious to see the show that, like, Flex Alexander ended up leaving Girlfriends for, one. And then, two, I know, like, a lot of people talked about this show. This was a show that, like, a lot of people loved, but I had never, I don't know, I never watched it. So that was, so that, that's two. And then three, I wanted, you know, any excuse to sort of do a deep dive and talk about um, the UPN network. (laughs) <laughs> right um <laughs> um the upn was a wave it was a, a great moment in history we never got so many great shows um particularly black led black dominant shows as when upn was at its height you know flex could have made a huge mistake leaving Girlfriends um, because that show was also wildly popular, right? And Khalil Kane hasn't stopped cashing those checks. Um, he's the actor who went on to play Maya's husband, Darnell, later right. on in the series. But one-on-one was successful as well. You know, his gamble sort of paid off. I will say I did not enjoy one-on-one. <laughs> I'm going to be real. <laughs> I loved one-on-one watching it the first time around because it was the first time I was the exact same age as the lead. I was the same age as the Brianna character. I like the show came out. I was 16 years old. She was 16 years old. It was a vibe. Um, I wanted a a nice chill father that I could run to when I got sick of my mom. (laughs) But yeah, watching it again. Mm, Same. I was like, Ooh, like y'all talking about this. Um, I will say there are, like, enjoyable parts. I I think the most enjoyable parts to me was just, like, looking at all the clothes. Like, because we were just talking about 2000s fashion. And this is 2000s fashion, like, to a T. Like, the trucker hats, like, the glitter, the, the you know, the, the baby pink. It's also good to see all the Black talent. I think this is another one of just, like, this is another show that, just was filled in the principal cast and in the supporting characters filled, filled to the brim with um, these familiar working black actors, you know, Kel uh, and, and some other people who we just don't really hear from anymore. So it was great to sort of revisit them. And, but um, for the most part, I just, this, this show is not it for me. I can't agree with that. Now, there's still a part of me that really, really likes one-on-one. Not as much as when I watched it the first time around. I'm just older and a bit more, um, I don't want to say discerning, probably just a bit more critical of the TV that I watch. I feel like at the time, though, it was good enough, which obviously is tracked by the fact that it was so successful for so many seasons. But I think the fact that our protagonists, the father and the daughter, are both exceptionally good-looking played a huge part in that. Lex Alexander is still one of the best-looking Black men that's ever been on television, and Kyla Pratt is still one of the prettiest Black girls that's ever been on television. Like, take Black out of it. They're just some of the best-looking people who have been on television. The Arnaz character is also really good-looking, and I know he was thrown in there to be eye candy for the teenage girls. Robert Richard was was also having a moment at the time. <laughs> yeah, I would say Robert Richard had like a big moment from like the late '90s to like the early in the early 2000s. 
the showrunner and the creator, Yunetta Boone, she unfortunately passed March of last year. So, oh, uh, no. And she did such great work as a producer, as a writer, as a journalist. And obviously her legacy continues. The show is still popping. It's still make it, doing great numbers currently on Netflix. <laughs> you and I can feel however we want to feel about it. But honestly, even though I didn't find the show to be as great as I initially felt it was, it was still a great walk down memory lane. And it was still like very, very low pressure to watch. I will say that about this entire season of GBB. Every show we had to watch was incredibly low stress. <laughs> That's true. It's uh, it's very low stress. <laughs> this was a great show. It really was a great show in the specific niche that it was in. Could it compete with some of the other sitcoms that we have reviewed? No. Um, was it on par with like a great drama? No. No. But, but it did what it had to do for... It knew what it was, and that's I will say this about one-on-one. I don't feel like it lost its voice until season five. We'll get into that later. The show very clearly from the beginning knew what it was supposed to be and stuck to that. Right. I was it's just like a passable sitcom. And listen, I don't want to hate on Yunetta Boone, like, and I don't want to hate on any of these shows really, because uh at the time UPN was a, a predominantly black network it had predominantly black shows you, you went to UPN to watch sci-fi and black people that's it i think at the time UPN had one on one moesha eve cut UPN had battlestar galactica the reboot which um is an incredible show so uh Oh, and, like, UPN also had girlfriends. They did have girlfriends. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did they have girlfriends? Or was that the WB? I, I, honestly, I, I don't remember. But, yeah, I'll take your word for it. it they was, had a lot of good stuff. It was UPN, I remember, because when, cause when eventually WB and UPN merged to create CW, Girlfriends was one of the show. Girlfriends was the only black show. Everybody Hates Chris and Girlfriends are the only shows from UPN that make that jump to the CW. Right, right, right. And I mean, people really don't give UPN its due because most of the shows on that network were very successful. Yeah, like that was a successful network. And, you know, there are a lot of shows that were on that network that are iconic or and very and were very much staples uh, to Black people and Black culture it matters. It's important. I wish that the UPN didn't become something of a joke. Because I remember being young and it being treated as something of a joke. Someone someone called it like the BET2. And that became like a running joke because they had a bunch of black people on it. But it wasn't just like, clearly it wasn't just black people watching these shows. I just remember that's like where all the black shows were like if you wanted to like and it was important and it meant something because it was like you know BET was like it's a cable network yeah so like whereas like UPN came on it was like channel 10 it was just a moment in time and who knows if we'll ever get it back again probably not that's unfortunate. Yes, let's talk about one-on-one. First season of one-on-one, like I said, 22 episodes. They they go in really, really strong with the show. Uh, a lot of faith was put behind this show. And the first season is, success, is successful. We have, um, you know, Brianna, 
who is at the time 14, her mom gets a job offer and she doesn't want to move to her mom's. I think her mom is moving to Canada. So she goes to live with her father who lives in Baltimore and she stays with him full time. And he's used to being like the vacation dad or the holidays dad. He's not used to being a full time dad. Her parents had her really young and the mom's in the primary caregiver until now. And now she's kind, kind, he's kind of having to see what it is to be a parent who doesn't get to be off the clock, so to speak. He's thrust headfirst into having to be the primary parent because her mother has gotten like a job opportunity in like Nova Scotia, right? And uh, Brianna doesn't want to move. Right. And I mean, I get that. And if you have the option, right, of being with a parent here, why not? Um, Her mother, you know, obviously grapples with this, but gives in. And I'm sure at the end of the day, she's she's she would like to take a vacation from being the full time parent. Uh, Brianna moves in with her father. And um, that dynamic is kind of shaky. She thinks she's going to have the same freedom with him that she's used to when she comes to visit all the time. You know, that complete lack of structure. Every day is a holiday. And he he doesn't understand just how much work it is to raise a child, particularly a teenage girl. And so that initial clash makes for some really good sitcom material. Yeah, so we meet everybody. We meet... Um, we meet... Uh, we meet Fux's best friend. We meet Brianna's friends. Um, we we have a bunch of hijinks as they try to learn to live together. And that's essentially the entire first season is them res- respecting each other, respecting one another's space, learning how to coexist with one another, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And uh, we also, I also just want to mention Brandon's mom is played by the incredible Tashina Arnold, who, incredible, incredible uh, actress, comedic and dramatic actress. And it's great to see her. Yeah, she's great in everything. I'm so happy. Um, um, she, and you know, being the TV mom has been good to her from one-on-one to everybody hates Chris to survivors or Morris being the TV mom has been a really good look for her. Yeah. Like she's, she's just had a, an extremely long and, and pros and like prosperous career for really, like a really long time and, you know, good for her. I'm glad she goes where she is appreciated. Cause I didn't like how they treated the Pam character on Martin, but that's another conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any standout episodes from that this first season of One on One? Yeah, I do. Um, I like the pilot. I like uh, Four School Days, Seven Playing Possum, Eleven Thanksgiving, It to Me Baby, Twelve Santa Baby, Seventeen It's Raining Women, Nineteen Love Means Never Having to Say I Know You, Twenty Fatal Attraction. 22 he got game right those are all great i like the series opener number one when flex got brianna number two jailbait was really fun number four school days 
this is when uh, they fight over whether she should attend public school or private school because she wants to go to that public performing arts school and he wants to enroll her in that private school. Right, and she does that really funny. And then she can't sing a lick. It's really great. It's funny. This kind of reminds me, honestly, of Frank and Moesha having a similar conversation, except this version is not, is way less toxic. Right, because at least she has, like, the option to, like, talk about it. Oh, Right, right. It's not my house and my rules, young lady. You'll do what I say. Damn it. Number nine, 15 candles. Shout out to the 16 candles reference. Um, why was MTV such a big part of UPN shows? Episode 10, Mikasa is Sukasa. Uh, MTV's shooting a documentary of Frank of Flex's house. This is so, almost supposed to be like a spoof of Cribs. Yeah, because like MTV Cribs is like a force. I think like MTV. Yeah, because, yeah, like, I think MTV at this time was just so powerful. It's not like it is now where, like, they nobody knows, like, what their purpose is anymore. Right. And why do they keep trying to make us watch Jersey Shore? <laughs> um, <laughs> number 12, Santa Baby. Brianna's mom comes home, you know, for the holiday. And number 13, Tame Me, I'm the Shrew. Those are the only ones of the ones you haven't mentioned already. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, and number 16, Me and My Shadow. Those are all great episodes. Uh, I will say there's something incredibly endearing about Kyla Pratt, and I think that also lends to the show's success. Now, she got her start doing movies and, you know, she being like the younger daughter in various roles before making this transition to television. And I think that she does have a certain charm, you know, definitely on par with uh, a Hilary Duff. When it comes, I was, I was just <laughs> thinking that. Yeah, I was like, she's not unlike Hillary Duff. Yeah, there's something about her that you want to watch, and um, it's really captivating. And I think it lends so much to the Brianna character. Um, but she's super cute and super fun. This entire first season, we love it. Let's jump into the second season real quick. We've established um, the relationships with, with Brianna and her friends. We know that her friend Arnaz is like low-key, high-key in love with her. Uh, right. We, <laughs> we know that her friend's spirit is like... Basically, she was woke before woke was a term. Right? <laughs> yeah. And we know that um, Flex's best friend... What is his name again? Who's Flex's best friend again? I'm sorry, you guys. Let me look at the... He's the, the guy the... in the funny hat and the fedora. That's it. That's all I remember. That's not helpful. I'm sorry. Dwayne, his best friend, Dwayne. See, the fact that we can't remember his name is probably why Cuts flopped after Mm. one season. Sorry about it. But his best friend, Dwayne, and their relationship. Dwayne and and Flex, honestly, are two people who, under different circumstances, wouldn't even be friends. They don't seem to have a lot uh, in common. They don't seem to have the same level of education and definitely don't have anywhere near the same level of career success. But they're best friends. Yeah, for some reason. I think this, the the show might have told us that they have some sort of relationship where they, they knew each other since they were young, which is the only reason that makes sense. But if I'm wrong and they didn't know each other from childhood, how do they even meet? Right. That's a good question. I Don't ask me. I'm not quite sure. I mean, maybe, you know, Dwayne cuts his hair. And most men do have very close relationships with their barbers, but they don't consider their barber their best friend. They only see that dude when they go to the shop. <laughs> right. Like, it's not like you invite the barber for, to Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? 
Right, right. And the thing about sitcoms in general, it's not just black sitcoms. This is across the board. I've seen this with the Dwayne character, with the Kimmy Gibbler character. It's implied that these supporting characters have family, but they're never with them. Right. I think it's just like, it's just one of those like functions of the sitcom, right? Like there's always this random person who's just always around. And their purpose is to just like even out the cast for and do and do things that nobody quite understands what they're supposed to do. To be just like a, like a, like an absurdist figure. Right, right, right. Um, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing to turn a a character into a caricature, but it definitely is like a sitcom tradition. Um, It is like even I even way back like the Waldo character on Family Matters was like that. (sighs) Right, Uh, and and listen, he's in the. He's in the opening mm-hmm. credits and the theme, so like he has to he has to be here. We can't exactly. just get rid of him. We can't just get rid of him. I think uh, we have to give Moesha an extra shout out for giving characters like him and Hakeem parents and lives outside of the protagonist. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you for that. So season two, um, season two takes off where basically um, uh, Brianna said on tape. That she had feelings for Arnaz. Um, <laughs> and um, and season two opener, he's trying to get her to say what she said again. Um, meanwhile, uh, Nicole and Flux are still arguing over Brianna because Nicole does want her daughter to come to live with her in Nova Scotia. But he's trying to be on the NBA. And having her in his life would mean giving that up. Because none of these ballers and shot callers are out here raising their kids. Quiet as it's kept. (laughs) Very quiet as it's kept. (laughs) Their wives and girlfriends are doing that. So he does something that fathers, particularly black fathers, aren't often shown as doing. He picks his kid. This is like revolutionary high key. (laughs) Right, because it's always like, oh, I'm going to sacrifice to make tons of money. And here he realizes that money is not like really what or his dream or or he realizes that his his child is his dream. Let's put it mm-hmm. like that. That's better. Uh, he he makes the decision to take care of his daughter instead and to go back to his his um, news anchor job. Right, right. Because he, they're not struggling by any means. They're not poor. And he could have so easily said, oh, I have to be a star for you, baby. I have to make the NBA money for you. This is my dream. But in fact, I'm doing all of this for you, <laughs> which a lot of a lot of people have been shown to do in various type of series. Right. But he didn't do that. Um, he chose his kid. And um, it's not anything, too, that's ever like brought up as a form of emotional blackmail later, which is also very important because some fathers, <laughs> Frank Mitchell, would absolutely throw that in your face at every available opportunity. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but we love it. We love it. We love it. And he doesn't, he's sad about it. He's visibly upset about it, but he doesn't show it in front of his daughter. He goes to the barbershop and lets his friends cheer him up because your daughter is not an emotional support animal. Right. That's true. That, And that's also important that he doesn't really put that on her. Brianna does tell him in the end, I want you to follow your dream. So after he chooses her, she, I guess, chooses him back. And in our second episode, he's struggling with being a 33-year-old rookie in the NBA. Now, at 33, most guys who are in the NBA have been playing professionally for at least eight years, if not 10 or 11. Because right. a lot of them get drafted right out of college. <laughs> right. Right. And obviously he had the sports anchor job. Um, he's shown from the very first season to be something of a ladies man. He's never without a date, never without a girlfriend, never without a friends with benefits, some type of situation. He wasn't training on the level of a professional athlete or even a college athlete. Right. He's not, he, he hasn't been putting in that work. Nope. Nope. He certainly looks like a basketball player. But when you're when those when those uh, when those joints and ligaments are aching, you, you're feeling your age on that court, dealing with guys who have been putting in the work all those years, and many of whom are much younger than him. You know, when you're an athlete, every year is like dog years. You will feel it in your body. <laughs> no, right, right. You have to have like you know built that sort of use and be used to it for. A significant amount of time. Right, right. And he realizes the reason why, another reason why he's lagging is because he his heart's not really in this anymore. And he realizes that he needs to go home to his daughter. So that's how um, sees the episode two ends. He comes home to his daughter. Nicole is there also because um, she came back to the States. That's why she, she, she wanted her daughter to live with her again. And so she's living with them until she gets her new job and her new apartment. Essentially, this family's been reunited. And that's good. That's good. Um, we love to see it. That he got a chance to have this dream, and then he chose not to. Um, that was, like, a huge thing that I think I, I, would, I would like to see more of on other shows. You know, like, like you said earlier, the show didn't have a huge impact, but there are gems in the little details, I feel. Absolutely. Uh, I absolutely agree with that. Do you have any favorite episodes of season two? Episodes one and two, which are I Believe I Can Fly, one and two. Number four, Daddy in Overdrive. Now, this is like a staple sitcom episode, teaching the kid how to drive. If you don't have that, what are you even doing? Um, <laughs> but that was a great episode. Brianna's trying to get her learner's permit. Uh, number six, Give Me Some Credit. Brianna's going crazy with her daddy's credit card. <laughs> that that's an also another sitcom staple. Number ten, is it safe? This is when Flex injures uh, the football player Michael Irvin during an interview. Number eleven, everybody loves whom? Great, everybody loves Chris reference. This is the detention episode between Natalie and uh, Nicole. And 12, Daddy, I don't need an edumacation. Brianna's getting ready to take the PSATs. So, yeah, what are your, some of your favorites from season two? 
Um, I really like, once again, I believe I can fly part one and part two. And also because that feels like a, a space jam shout out. So that, that's what makes that extra, extra clever. Um, <laughs> uh, five pop art, 14, the one about friends, mm-hmm. 15, the test, 17, where everybody knows your name. Uh, 20 checkmate daddy and then 20 and then 23 find my wife please mm-hmm. i will say the test i didn't mention it but it's one of my favorites as well it was probably one of the better done episodes talking about hiv yeah um that was a good episode what do we think of season two though and season one for that matter good bad or basic i think they're both kind of basic yeah, but I mean, I thought like, season one was basic, but I actually thought season two was good. <laughs> I I definitely, like, well, yeah, I think the HIV episode in season two is, like, maybe elevates it to, like, basic plus. But um, I they are pretty basic. I think I was, that's another thing that just shocked me about the show is, like, how basic it was. You know my theory about that. We all have a basic bitch within us. And she likes to be entertained, too. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I guess, okay, well, well, I mean, going to season three, but, like, I guess I don't understand. It was just such an unprecedented time, you know? I guess I don't understand, like, making the safe choice. Um, I mean, I know not everybody can be Beyonce, and not everybody can be girlfriends, and not everybody can be... It's still an unprecedented time in, like, this sort of show you get like a show right on a network why would you and you see other people girlfriends moesha the parkers pushing the formula and like pushing something in the culture cultural sphere in some way i guess i don't understand and i feel this way about half and half as well because i've been watching half and half as well and i was like wow the show is basic and i guess i don't understand not doing that not doing something to 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 push or to sit to or to really be urgent or to feel an urgency to say something thinking that this moment was gonna last forever you know Mm. like i like i get why you don't but like i also just don't get why why you don't it just they just kind of floated under the radar and i'll explain what i mean by that have showed us a functional relationship between a black father and daughter um, without a, with and without a mother's presence. That was big. One-on-one showed us a couple that married and divorced young that didn't have lingering feelings for each other, but also didn't have animosity for toward each other. That was also big. One-on-one showed us a black father giving his daughter a lot of leeway and a lot of trust and a lot of room to be herself. And that was big one-on-one didn't let a father get away with being a deadbeat which so many other shows including half and half and moesha frank mitchell dorian um and the parkers did like like routinely um it did small things that i feel went under the radar because Honestly, it didn't deserve a cookie for doing these things. These things should have already been normalized. Like, this should have been the norm, but nobody else was doing it. 
But um, I guess I'm just saying that I, I reference both because they're both sitcoms and similar and they were on the same network and they were all part of this sort of black UPN moment. So I, I think about a lot of them in, in conjuncture with each other um, to examine. But yeah, okay. That's a fair yeah, assessment. I mean- I was never a fan of half and half because they had the daughter who they had the father who checked out on his first kid to be father of the year to the second. I don't think that's anything to write home about. I don't think there's anything to be lauded. The tension between the moms I thought was was more irritating than comical. And the father was never really held to task for what he did and the trauma that he put um, both his children, particularly the fir- the eldest daughter through. Um, that being said, I think one-on-one did a lot of small, um, significant things that other sitcoms weren't doing. Um, just by having the parents, particularly the father, be a decent fucking person, which, um, quiet as it's kept, isn't that common. <laughs> right. Okay. That's that's a fair assessment. Yeah. So um, um, it, it was a, it was hard for me to watch. Basically, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't. It it, it was it was basic. I'm not gonna lie. It was basic as fuck. But it was basic <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> Okay, that's that's valid. I still I still think I feel how I, I still think I think what I think, but I I get that perspective of it. That that makes sense to me. Um, so season three, season three, there's a uh, an incredible opening episode where uh something that's that where we get um the lady from divorce court, the first lady. If you oh, watched. I- I remember her face. I don't remember her name. Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. If you've ever, and this is another, I think, fun part of, of this show is that, like, we get all these, and this is what's been fun about watching the Parkers and all these throwbacks, like, getting stuff like Blind Date and Cheaters and, like, Divorce Court, all these sort of past iconic reality shows. Oh, girl, we love Cheaters. We love Cheaters. <laughs> love Cheaters. Love um a lot some of your favorite meme, memes come from cheaters your favorite memes and your favorite gifts are are from cheaters so uh don't count cheaters out but um yeah flex and brianna's mom are in front of the div- they're in front of the divorce court lady trying to get a divorce and it's really funny um and that lady has such great comedic timing uh so it's 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 a it's a satisfying episode. This is off topic, but I would really love if MTV made a comeback with a documentary chronicling people who have been memed. And like where are they now and how did what were the circumstances behind you getting memed? How did it change your life? How do you feel about it? Now are you still the same person as you were when that photo or that video was taken? Let us know. You know, I think they've I think they're like Nightline did a special but yeah, I I I'm with you. I think we need like a whole series. Right, like true life. I was a meme. True life. <laughs> <laughs> I became a meme. I went viral. Let us know. Let us know. Like kombucha girl. Um, between season two and season three, we integrate um Nicole, Brianna's mom, and Fux's ex-wife more into the series. Um, she goes missing at the end of 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 season two in Africa. What country? We don't know. It's never specified. She's just lost on the entire continent, you guys. Um, like you do. Um, like you do. 
Um, cause you know, Africa's like a theme park. It's big, but you can get through it in one day if you really try. Um, <laughs> um, one month later she shows up on, on his doorstep talking about how her and her, her cinematographer got lost in the jungle. And, um, so, um, that happens. Her mom comes back. Um, Arnaz is jealous of, of Brianna and his relationship with Josh. Um, meanwhile, the only reason they didn't get together, Arnaz and Brianna, in season two was because his ex, Ginger, re-entered the picture. Um, uh, divorce court, like we said, Judge Maybelline. That's her name, Judge Maybelline. Yes, uh, Judge Maybelline! As soon as I said the, the words, the, her name just came back to me. Um, she tells him that they're still legally married. Um, because they, uh, and because they had sex two years ago, um, on Thanksgiving, she will not give them their divorce. And she says that they need to go to marital counseling because people who filed for divorce over a decade ago, but had sex two years ago might have some feelings there. She believes he and Natalie break up because he realizes he still hasn't gotten over Nicole. Brianna decides not to date Arnaz. One of the issues that I have with the Arnaz character is that he's super thirsty. And besides being super, super thirsty, being a turnoff, he's too good looking to be that thirsty. And he, I don't get it. Same, same. Okay. Like, same. I'm glad we brought this up because we need to talk about this. I don't, I really don't understand. And I don't understand, particularly, I don't understand the casting and like, how, like why this is his character because there's an episode where they have this go to this party and they play like spin the bottle the one the guy that Brianna is actually interested in takes off his shirt spin the bottle becomes truth or dare or something he takes off his shirt and he's down to like his undershirt like you get the sound track of everyone going ooh <laughs> and then um and then Arnaz like tries to compete and then takes off his shirt, but they look and then the and then you hear the laugh track come in going, ah, like, and but Arnaz and the guy that she's into are the exact same body type. Like, and they look the same, like muscles wise. Let's talk about it. Like, why are y'all gaslighting the audience? They look the same. They are the, they same. Look the same. They're the same. Honestly, I don't know. I believe the Arnaz character was written in mind with someone much less handsome than Robert Richard. And if they were so intent on casting him, they should have reworked the character into something like an Ethan Craft. Right. Make him like a himbo. That would have worked. Um, right. That would have been really worked. funny. Uh, make him like, yeah, like him being like a flower hippie sort of himbo light-skinned black boy would have absolutely been, like, hilarious. Like, I mean, that that's the... That's, that would have been, like, sitcom. It would have been a little femme-phobic, but, you know, it's this is the early 2000s. This That's what they would have done, and it would have worked. Or he could have just been, like, um... Uh, you know, one of those those eye candy type of situations. Um, not may, Maybe not necessarily dumb, but just, like, really pretty and like pretty is his strength <laughs> um equating him to um essentially not even a gordo because gordo wasn't that thirsty who can i equate arnaz to 
Oh, that's such a good question. Um, not Urkel. Yeah, because Urkel was a stalker. stalker. <laughs> uh, maybe. Oh, maybe. Uh, they they they're trying to make him like Johnny from Lincoln Heights, and he's not a Johnny. Yeah, like Johnny, <laughs> or like and like like part Johnny, part Hakeem, maybe just a touch of Hakeem. Yes, that's what he is. He's the he's the Johnny Hakeem melange. Um, we don't like it. We don't like it. And it do, and it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. And I don't know if maybe like part of the problem was like when maybe when they cast cast Robert Richard, he like he had just developed because Robert Richard on Cousin Skeeter is tall and he's very skinny. Right. Um... And he may have just like in that summer, you know, like boys do the same way girls do with their boobs, like overnight sort of just became, ended up looking like that. It was either very fleshed, well fleshed out and miscast or, um, uh, cast and then poorly thought out. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. It was something like that. Do you have any favorite episodes from season three? I do. Um, I've got It's a Family Thing. That's one. Five, Too Young, Too Curious. This like episode has like a young Mechad Brooks from Supergirl, True Blood. The game. The game. He's been everywhere. <laughs> He's been everywhere. Uh, so it's fun to see him. Um, I Hear White People is really funny. Nine, Tears of a Clown. I love that really just to be like Smokey Robinson is in this episode, but also Tears of a Clown. I'm I'm just gonna start saying that. Like I'm like, cry your little t- clown tears to somebody else, girl, because it ain't me. Like I'm gonna start saying that. That's brilliant. It's a mad, 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 mad hip hop world. 15, the catch. Solo star is in this episode. Oh um, <laughs> the one, the only Solange Knowles back when she was acting. <laughs> so go check that Acting out. Acting and low-key killing the game. Low-key killing the cat. game. It's also like a bring it on type episode, so that's funny. It's like about cheerleaders. I'm sure it was promoting because Solange was in one of those bring it on movies. So I think that's what it was promoting at the time. Um yeah. three or four, the one with Hayden Panettiere. Yeah. And Solange is so cute in this. 18 Cabin Fever, 19 Sleepless in Baltimore. 20, No More Wire Hangers. 23, The Plays the Thing. And then 24, Bright Lights, Big City. And this is, I think that's the episode where, oh yeah, Arnaz and Brianna at the end just um, decide to go to New York City. Because Flex, because like she feels the type of way that Flex like couldn't make it to her big play. So when Flex doesn't show up, and but Arnaz does, and she's just so taken in the romance. Arnaz and Brianna and uh, uh, Spirit all just hop the train and move to New York City. Bless those crazy kids. Child. Okay, that's another thing that actually really charmed me about this show, looking back on it. Brianna was allowed to do things that up until now, I'd only ever seen white girls do on on, on TV. That's real. That's true. Like, she really had the freedom to just be like, whatever, dad, you're not going to be here for me. I'm running away. I'm going to the big city. Like, girl, what? 
Right. What? What? (laughs) But she did that. And then her dad was heated, obviously. But they got over it. It wasn't a thing that they kept bringing up season after season. (coughs) Frank Mitchell. After season. (laughs) To, like, hold over her head. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, my favorite episodes of this season were... Number one, it's a family thing. Number two, stepmom misstep. Number two, too young, too curious. <laughs> that ov- that's obviously a too fast, too furious reference. We love it. Number eight, keeping it. Number ten, spy games. Lil Romeo guest stars on this episode. Back when we were still allowing him chances to. Have act. a rap career and acts. Yeah. It's crazy because his dad, you know, got out of the hood three ways. And, um, yeah. And he just, thing, I know. Lucky for him, his dad got out, of the, got out of the hood and had the talent to get out of the hood. I'm going to just say that. Say that, I know. <laughs> that's why um, I worry about some of these kids sometimes. I mean, that's why I worry about, like, your parents are legendary, but that don't mean you are going to be legendary. Right, right. I mean, he's not even media. You know what? Let me stop. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna be a good person. Um, <laughs> episode eleven. It's a miserable life. This is the episode we find out that Nicole is pregnant by her boyfriend Jaden, and she's gonna marry him. And you know, all every hope that Brianna and the audience had of her parents reuniting is like gone. Uh, episode 12, because Anthony Hamilton, guest stars, that man's voice always makes me smell fresh baked biscuits and sweet tea. Same. Uh, (laughs) uh, Episode 13, starring Omarion, East meets East Coast. Yeah, episode 22, Splitting Hairs. Um, Other than that, and the ones you mentioned, of course, uh, The Play's a Thing and Bright Lights, Big City. Um... Now, do you think season three was good, bad, or basic? Season three, I think, was, like, I think it was good. It was, it was, it's a good minus, bordering on basic, but, but good minus. I was definitely more entertained than I was in the previous seasons. Something about season three, man. Yeah, season three is always hit different. Um, <laughs> I, I thought the season was more entertaining as well, but it still was also very, it still remained very low stress. I love that. I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Yep, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so season four, season four, we kick off there in the, they're in New York City and Maria Menounos is on here. She was a big deal at the time. She she guest starred on a bunch of shows, including One Tree Hill. Like she was a big deal at the time. I don't know why people loved her so much, but they did. I mean, people like really, people really, really, yeah, people really, really love her. Um, and she's, she's. I mean, she's basically playing Maria Menounos. Like she never, she never really had like an acting acting career. She was just sort of doing stuff on shows, uh, here and there, but. She basically like the episode is like the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> um, with Maria Menounos being Glinda the Good Witch, uh, and it's really cute and enjoyable. Although there's an there's a questionable scene where she's wearing a wig, like a an afro 
wig. And I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's something I didn't quite understand. Um, but yeah, season four. Season four. I should note, this is the last season that we will see Kelly Perrin, who plays Dwayne, as well as Cicely Johnson, who plays Spirit. I know that she eventually, um, she just left the show and he went to the spinoff cuts. Um, I'm not sure why she was annexed from, from one-on-one. I don't think it was a good decision because the show falls apart at season five, in my opinion. We'll talk about that later. But, um, I do think that the spirit character lends something to the overall dynamic I didn't miss Dwayne as much, I'm going to be honest. But the spirit character lends something to the show, I feel. I can't quite put my... I can't quite articulate what it is, but she does add something. I I agree with you. There's there's always something very satisfying to me about, like, the random hippie black person. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. It's just... I like it. It's a vibe. And you're right. Uh, When she goes, something, something is lost. Something t- intangible is lost. I like the black hippie girl too. Like I, I love her in the same way that I love the black bougie girl. I, I, AKA we need more of it. But I think I didn't realize, like, I didn't register until I got older that Spirit was the f- probably one of the first times, if not the one of two or three times, where I've seen a girl who was monoracial in that role. Like, it's always, oh, hippie black girl, but actually she's biracial, and the reason she's like this is because she was raised by a hippie white mom. It's always something like that. We got to see not just Spirit, but her mom, Leilani, is also like this, right? Uh, As carefree as a black girl's ever going to (laughs) be. Right. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm on that page. I agree. Um, But yeah, so the episode, season one... Uh, season four, episode one picks up where these kids realize just how hard it is to exist in New York City and that they are broke and that they don't have jobs and that they probably and that they're going to be homeless and begging on these streets because <laughs> they didn't think this through at all, which is, again, like it's a fixture of a white sitcom that I think is really, really funny because I feel like a black kid and maybe I'm just projecting because I grew up poor would understand how expensive Baltimore is and realize that New York is going to be just as expensive, if not more so. (laughs) Y'all didn't bring no money at all. Um, No, not a dollar. But it's Flex and Dwayne and Leilani show up to get the kids back home. It becomes, you know, it becomes a... I'm mad at you. You left home. You ran away. That was stupid. But clearly you've been struggling. So you've learned your lesson, Um, which I thought was kind of cool. Like we don't have to we don't have to beat this dead horse throughout the rest of the season. Like the more I watch one on one, the more I realize that Moesha was a dramedy. Oh, yeah. Moesha was absolutely (laughs) a dramedy, like disguised as a sitcom. Like it was absolutely not. And, And that's what makes. And but that's why Moesha endures, at least to me. But yeah, <laughs> once you start watching all these, you realize Moesha is actually a, a dramedy. But um, because this was the most intense show we watched all season. <laughs> it really was. It was so intense. Uh, but basically, um, yeah, the kids come running back to Baltimore. Brianna and Arnez like are officially booed up when they come back. 
or they get booed up there. Yeah, it's official. And I think maybe that's why the spirit character got pushed out because I guess she, her being there disrupted from the Brianna Arnaz romance. Which is lame because then they could just bring in some, like if they have to, they could bring in someone else. But I guess by now, season four, it's too late. I can, I can see that thought as well. Right. And even then, I still wouldn't have gotten rid of the, the spirit character. I would have even given her, I would have just given her her own boyfriend or we would have just seen a little bit less of her. This season also has like a therapy episode where Brianna and Flex go to see the, the family therapist, right? Yeah. Um, and she is wearing a baby pink Juicy Couture tracksuit. Hello, 2003. Yeah, they have the therapy episode and... Uh, the the and once again we have like a therapist who like the minute Brianna walks out of the room the therapist like takes off her shirt and shows her boobs to flex and then they like almost have sex and I'm just like one day the therapist of America are gonna get some good representation about how how they are in their profession and and I want that for them. We do. Oh my God. It's so necessary. I mean she took it further than Dr. Melfi from the Sopranos, didn't she? Right, exactly. This ep- this season also stars one of my favorite singers, the French singer Sherry. She sings that song. Sherry sings that song, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready, come and find me. That oh, song. Yeah. And she she stars on episode eight of this season, Daddy's Home. And like, she's really beautiful. Her voice is amazing. And Brianna is jealous. Um. This is the like this is the season where Brianna is seeing and the audience is allowed to see Arnaz is sexy and she realizes that he doesn't understand how good looking he is, but he got options. She responds in true sitcom fashion. Do you have any favorite episodes from season four? Uh, I like We'll Take Manhattan to Zen Daddy Six. Uh, Manic Monday, um, Rock the Vote. That's just funny. Nine, Who Brought the Jive Turkey? Ten, Lost in the Headlights. Mojo No Mo. Um, Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Lock Blockin'. Accidental Love, Part One and Part Two. 21, Cap and Frown. And then 22, The Graduate. Um, yeah. I like all of those and some that you may not have mentioned. Um, number number seven, you don't have to go home. Number eight, daddy's home. Number 10, lost in the headlights. That's the bra stuffing episode. Number 15, a rock in a hard place. Yeah, those are my favorites um, besides the ones that you mentioned. What do we think of season four? Good, bad, or basic? Um, season four for me is another, just, I think it's, it's basic plus. I, I really, I, I remember liking the season a lot and then I rewatched it. And I honestly think that besides season five, it's the worst season. (laughs) (laughs) It's a basic minus for me. They're clearly trying to push the, the spirit character out. We don't see her on as many episodes. We don't see Dwayne on as many episodes. Um, and the, the, it's starting to lose focus. And then when we enter season five, we see that that focus and clarity are all gone. So season five, the final season, uh, Brianna and Arnaz move from Baltimore 
across the country to LA. Season five, Flex is no longer a main character. He went from protagonist to a recurring character. See, and that's like, it's interesting that you say like they're pushing the spirit carrot out because like season four to me felt like this show trying to prepare the audience for season five to to right. in this shift of like transition in this transition because like so yeah so you talk about la and then i'll talk about la Whew. so we don't want it keep it um it's not that season five was bad it's that season five was a completely different show right but i i mean but i think that's the point like that's what they always intended but it's like you can't do that five seasons in. Like, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, honestly, you can't do that, period. I don't know a show that's laid the groundwork and has made a shift like this. And if they made a shift like this, it was very incremental over a course of many, 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 many seasons to become what it was. Um, I guess a good example of this, even though it's not a TV show, it's a movie franchise, are the Harry Potter series. When you juxtapose the first movie, uh, a Sorcerer's Stone, and that uh, seventh movie, um, Deathly Hallows, and the books too, whichever, um, number one seems incredibly light. And like a children's movie and like a family adventure. And then we see how dark and intense and dramatic and stressful number seven is, right? But the the breadcrumbs had been dropping all along. We had been moving slowly in that direction all along, right? Mm. They They literally just threw us right out of the water into this new scenario. And see, that's the thing. It's like, I... And you're, I think, like, and that's what I'm saying, like, season four to me felt like, oh, they're, they're getting us ready for this, for how they're, they're about to change the structure of this show completely. Because, like, you see it with the spirit character moving out, you see it with, like, this hookup where Brianna and Arnaz get official, you see it with, like, this more, like, this continued, they, they, they expand the role of Arnaz in this band, and I'm like, and I remember in season four thinking like, why is this happening? And then season five being like, oh, this is why, because they're changing the show to like, they're, they're just completely revamping the show. That's why. So they were, they were, it was, there was an attempt to like, get me to be comfortable with these new elements so that they could then like throw me into season five, which is like L.A., Right. There was an attempt. Um, I just don't think that the attempt was successful. For me, it was yeah, for me it wasn't completely successful because it was still very, very jarring. Um I will say though, I have to give a final shout out to Flex as a father, because he really was a good father. Um, he and Nicole's biggest fear was that Brianna would have a child young, like they did, right? But despite this, they still gave her a lot of freedoms and while he didn't like it, he respected and accepted her decision to move it in with Arnaz, right? Right. It wasn't like the domineering, controlling, you're not going to do this. I'll be damned if you get pregnant on my watch, father. <laughs> right, right. Uh, big deal. Um, we opened that 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 fifth season, though, by meeting all of the new roommates. Um, uh, um 
she uh, goes to Calif- to college in California. They move in with four roommates. Alfonso Ribeiro, a.k.a. Carlton Banks, directs this episode. Yeah. Um, and basically, essentially, if if since we I don't think we explicitly said it, the show essentially shifts in that, like, it's trying to be friends or like trying to be a version of friends. That's what happens. Yes. Flex is yes. like like or a version of living single flex has moved out and so then the story is revamped to focus on brianna arnaz and the rest of these roommates which includes ray j um this filipino looking girl whose name i don't know and then this white girl whose name i don't know and then uh, this white guy whose name i i also don't know <laughs> the roommates are d mac which is ray j uh, Cash, which is a white guy, Lisa, which is the Filipino-looking girl, and Sarah, which is the white girl. Um, I just want to know why y'all keep ruining perfectly good sitcoms with Ray J. <laughs> I was about to say I had forgotten. Well, I mean, I guess I didn't watch his show, but like, I was like, oh wow, Ray J. I sat out here and got a job on his own. Look at that! I'm so proud. Mm. <sighs> um, honestly, the only good thing about season five is that Alfonso Ribeiro directed many of the episodes. I'm glad he got his check. I don't have any positive things to say about the show other than that. Brianna and Arnaz's relationship doesn't even evolve in like a mature or even completely believable way. And it ends on a cliffhanger. Which, I mean, I feel like it, it only, it ends on a cliffhanger because I, they probably thought they're going to get a season six and then that didn't happen at all. But why, baby? Why did you think that? It's bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, I'm not going to lie. Literally, there's, the show imploded on itself in season five. I've never seen a final season that was just so spectacularly bad. Like, we talked about the Parkers last week. That season finale episode was bad, but I can't say the entirety of season five was bad. You understand me? For this show, the entirety of this season felt like it was grasping at straws or trying to find its legs. It reminds me of those nature videos where like a baby fowl is born or like a baby, like a colt or like a baby giraffe. And it's like struggling to stand for a couple minutes, except this was 22 episodes of struggling to stand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. sorry. It's just so bad. Bring bring back Flex. Take away Ray J. That's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Goodness gracious. Well, I, I can't top that. So, uh, um, but for me, like, this season, but, like, yeah, for me, the season's not good. But I don't think it's not good because, but I think it's not good because, like, they're tr- essentially trying to do a brand new show. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Essentially- and you could have just had a spinoff and been done with it. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I mean... I feel like the the good decision would have been to just end the series and then pitch like a new series like as a continuation. You know what I mean? Right, right. I mean, you did cuts um even though nobody wants to watch Dwayne cut hair for an entire show. 
Um, why couldn't you just do a spinoff here? Um, I really don't understand. Or you could have even kept them in Baltimore and just made Nicole and Flex and even Spirit background characters. Let Arnaz and Brianna move to their own apartment in New York even. Actors love New York. Um, so many ways this could have been saved. It's not just a ship to L.A. that killed things. It's these four roommates. Not one, but four deeply obnoxious roommates that had way too many, too, too much screen time, um, way too much dialogue. It was bad, you guys. I don't have favorite episodes from season five. Do you? Do you have any favorite episodes? You know, I don't really. <laughs> I'm sorry uh, about it. I'm so sorry, but no. Sorry about don't that. Um, yeah, I hate that for it hate that for it um but all in all i think one in one will one, one in see now i'm doing it one on one <laughs> will uh i think it lives on in the pan i think i don't think it singularly as a show is it stands out that much but it lives on in the pantheon of like a very important black pop cultural moment in where there were all these black shows on UPN, and and that's why One on One lives on, um, and uh, it lives on. I think it's also this is another like great time capsule show, very cultural, like of the moment. If you're looking to do any sort of research into like the 2000s and 2000s fashion and like you know the vibe, this is definitely something to look at. Um, and, but for, but for me, that's what it is. I don't necessarily want, like, I don't want any sort of anything. It's a show that just, it's, it's over now. Yeah. Don't bring it back. Don't microwave. Don't recycle, reduce, reuse this shit. Just let it live. Be what it is. Um, fifth season aside, I liked a lot of the things that this show did. Um, I think it did a lot of things to correct, the portrayal of divorced couples, uh, single parents who are co-parenting, and um, father-daughter, particularly Black father-daughter relationships, it went a long way to repair otherwise very toxic images that were very popular. But um, I'm good. I just pretend like that fifth season doesn't exist, and I enjoy what I can. Right. Oh, you, you know what? Choose me and throw away the bones sometimes. <laughs> Keep keep one on one like purple ketchup, that weird thing that we did one time in the early aughts. Do you remember that? that? You do you remember purple ketchup? Ooh, I mean, I wouldn't even remember Sprite Remix, the original Sprite Remix. Remember that shit that tasted like mangoes and berries? Yes, I love that stuff was amazing. <laughs> okay, so one once upon a time, Heinz did like purple, blue, and green ketchup, and it was wild. I remember the green. I remember the green. I had the green. <laughs> have it folks this is everything that we think made one-on-one good bad basic and so incredibly memorable if you'd like to check out this iconic sitcom one-on-one is currently streaming on netflix please let us know your thoughts on this series via our twitter or instagram if you've enjoyed this episode of the good the bad the basic be sure to share it with your friends
And with that, we officially end season eight of The Good, The Bad, The Basic. Our throwback season has been such an amazing trip down memory lane, but the show must go on and we'll be launching our latest season, Historical Dramas, next week. For season nine of GBB, we'll be covering Underground, The Tudors, The Borgias, the White Queen, and Rain. We'll be debuting our historical drama season with AMC's breakout hit, Mad Men. Mad Men is currently streaming on Amazon Prime if you'd like to catch up on or relive this series. Part one of our Mad Men recap goes live next week, and you don't want to miss out on this conversation. The Good, the Bad, the Basic is streaming on every major podcast platform, so be sure to listen to all of our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at The Good, Bad, Basic on Twitter and Good, Bad, Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily contact, as well as our SoundCloud page the good, the bad, the basic, where all of our episodes drop first. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. Become a member of the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash good, bad, basic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time. Bye, everyone. (laughs) 